We've been doing this podcast a long time. Almost five years, you told me. And I know we've uh, put the plea out for our Patreon account, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. We have pleaded at times. But uh, we're actually really fortunate to have a generous sponsor to help us see out the year. And they are covering our hosting costs. And we might get a chance to buy a new piece of equipment. Yes, like a jacket or a hat. (laughs) um i know it's a challenge in the wine writing world so i mean our our ad reads for the next uh eight weeks are not all going to be this detailed but i think it's important that you and i put some cards on the table that our sponsor is a wine producer yes um but it's actually a wine producer that even though they are paying us we do in fact enjoy their wines i do i've i've enjoyed their wines for for quite a bit and i was very happy that they they reached out uh to us and um that is one thing that we would definitely uh, always strive to do is to actually like our sponsor. So a special thanks to Valdoka. We are enjoying a really beautiful bottle of uh, Valdobiadene Prosecco Superiore. How did I do? Not bad. Uh, and this is the 20... 2022. 2022 vintage. I do understand that some 2021 out there as well. Uh, available to the LCBO. And we will carry on with the show. So thanks to our sponsor. Valdoka. Let's hit the music. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre Prue. <laughs> How's it going? That's a very bright green kind of, oh, it's your Rough Riders jersey. You just got back from Saskatchewan, and so you're going to wear that until it becomes a very dull green. As I'm legally obligated to, being from Saskatchewan. Are you? But are you? Are yes. you really? Yeah, I don't want to pay the fines. Look, I see people from Saskatchewan all the time. They're not wearing that stuff. They're probably paying the fines. All right. Okay. How long do you uh, have to wear that until such time as... It, it falls off me in, in rags. I mean, we're having a pretty okay season, but this isn't a sports podcast. Speaking of which, we need to get our friend Matt Cause back on the podcast. I don't know if you saw, but he ran the Oat Madoc Marathon. Oh, I saw him do that, yeah. And he survived. I'm, I'm surprised at the I saw that I only drank five glasses of wine or something. So that's what I kind of read. So. Okay, so he, he took the amateur's way out. Yeah, yeah okay. so that's not right. It wasn't, it's supposed to be like one glass for a mile or something. <laughs> something like that. Anyways, um, we have something a little bit different than we usually do on the on the podcast. Um, we've well, been a, fort- little a little It's a little different. Well, I mean, this is to, to be frank, this is something we probably would have done anyways, Correct. but we've been fortunate enough to have this episode sponsored by Vain de Chablis with wines provided by Sopexa. Um, anyone who knows I'm Captain Chardonnay, we probably would have done this without the money, but... It does cost money to keep the podcast going, so we appreciate the sponsorship dollars. And, and, and we get to taste some really... Great. Van de Chablis. Uh, Van de Chablis. So, which would have, you know, uh, probably been provided anyway. But, though uh, <laughs> um, so you will you will hear us mention about, a, a, there's a, a game to learn about Chablis. Yes. Uh, so, it's called Unlock uh, Chablis. And uh, we'll probably mention it a couple of times during the podcast. Yes. So, if you want to learn more about Chablis, it's a, it's a great way to do it. And uh, we are going to start by tasting... Uh, through, uh, well, I don't think we'll start. We'll just go through. Um, uh, well, we're going to be climbing the, the ladder of Burgundy. The Chablis, the Chablis ladder. Yep. Uh, so we've got four wines in front of us. We have a Petit Chablis. 
we have, um, I guess, a village Chablis, a premier cru, and then a grand cru. Um, and so, Captain Chardonnay, you are going to have to lead me through the uh, the Chablis, although you didn't go to the Chablis I didn't go lunch. to Chablis. It, it, it's, it's you didn't go to actually, Chablis, nor did you go to the Chablis lunch that happened at the same time that I think you were in, in Burgundy. Chablis, yeah. or in, in Burgundy. You know, I, I'm embarrassed to say, but um, I think Chablis is a little bit of my my weak point in my wine knowledge of Burgundy, and I'll, I'll be frank, it's because the Cote d'Or, I think, has a little bit more, has a few more of my heartstrings because a lot of those wines remind me of of Niagara, but I, 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 I don't know, like, where it sort of happened over the years because, like, I haven't, I haven't been doing this as long as you, but, like, back in 2010 when I started, I don't remember anybody really talking about Chablis. I think when people were talking about Burgundy, they were talking about the Cote d'Or and the, the Cote de Nuit. Well, but, 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 you know, probably back in 2010, but when you were talking, you know, really early on, um, you know, people would talk about, um, uh, you know, Bordeaux wines for, uh, for a red, and, um, and Chablis became a, another term for Chardonnay at one point, uh, especially oh, in the that. New World. And uh, that's why they had to go and protect the name because, you know, you'd all see Ontario Chablis. Well, I, I went to um, this is this I know is going to surprise you. I went to the uh, Chablis lunch that was uh, it was in town. Uh, I have now since written for uh, Muskoka Life magazine, which is one of the magazines I write for um, uh, about Chablis. And surprisingly, I am a a fan, uh, and again, I am not being paid to say this because I would obviously say this anyway. Well, I'm not surprised you're, you're a fan. I know, like I said, because like, I like fruit and yeah. I like Christmas and I like minerality, and that's kind of where Chablis fits. And every time that somebody says uh, around Ontario and they say, "Well, this is done in a very Chablis style," it's usually a wine that I'm already enjoying. So it's not like I'm, you know, anti Chablis. I'm anti over oak. And it doesn't seem to be Chablis style in in any way. No, I, I agree with that. And I, I think one thing where it's interesting with Chablis and, and tasting the wines in general, um, you know, we have a lot of unoaked Chardonnay and Ontario usually at the entry level. Uh, the thing about um, Chablis, so we're enjoying a Petit Chablis from Badouin Millet, uh, and it's got on gold lettering on it, Intensément, uh, I guess intensely is the translation for that uh, 12.5% alcohol. But I think the thing that this Petit Chablis has that a lot of the Ontario unoaked Chablis or unoaked Chardonnay tends to have is a lack of concentration in Ontario. Like, the wines are good, but they're they're a little bit one note. We get a lot of, like, citrus bombs where yep. it, it, it's quite citrusy where... We're getting orchard fruit here. We're getting yeah. We're getting a lot of orchard fruit. We're getting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that there's probably some lees contact to this wine because it's got a little bit more of a heavier mouthfeel to it. Um, I really am enjoying this this wine because uh, again that orchard fruit uh, is is definitely there. I'm just. Uh, oh, you're drinking it out of a smaller glass. So I'm gonna well, yeah, this in. isn't this isn't unoaked Chardonnay. That's why I was surprised. Like oh, you're okay. you're so like militant with the stemware that uh, I put this into a white glass. I'll, I'll transfer it over to the burgundy. See what difference it makes. And I was actually you were looking at me. Uh, oh, that is much better. Okay. Yeah, the acidity. Oh yeah, right? it's like 
It's muted in the big shard. It's it's muted in the big Chardonnay glass. This also could be a really uh, kind of a stemware. Uh, uh, oh God! Podcast. It smells like rocks in the in the big glass. Oh yeah, it's like all all stony, rocky, but uh, in the smaller glass because of the uh, of the unoaking. All right, I think we're doing a little bit of burying the lead. Um, we've talked now about minerality and the ripeness that they get. Uh, Soils of Chablis are a big story. I know you've done a little bit more homework than me, but I know that... I have, I have my passport to Burgundy Wines. <laughs> I have my my notes from the Chablis lunch. But I know and the... And I have my map of all the areas. All right, so I'm going to tell you what I know of the Chablis soils, and then you can you can correct me, is that... Well, I can tell you, first of all, because we, we're just talking Petit Chablis, I got it here that it's 19% of, of Chablis is Petit Chablis. Well, that's, there we go. That's what I've got here. It's also uh, the n- nickname I've given my daughter when I'm dressed up as Captain, oh, Chardonnay. Captain Chardonnay. She's my she's my sidekick, La then, Petite Chablis. And the surface area is uh, so. These, again, from my from my notes, uh, Petite Chablis was uh, kind of founded in 1944. <laughs> it's very close to some of the Grand Cru sites, uh, but have different soils. Uh, they're usually young wines, and their surface area is 1,257 hectares. Yep, that's it. That's all I got. Congratulations, Michael. You read the book. Can we I, talk? Can no, we talk I, about? They're my notes. They're actually my notes. Oh, geez. Yeah, I wrote. You these paid attention. Down. I was actually paying attention at a Chardonnay lunch. Okay. Oh, you're shocked. So, so the cool thing I know about Chablis is it is uh, prehistoric sea, and there's a lot of uh, calcium limestone and just like relics from prehistoric times that contribute to a lot of people will. Contribute, say, contribute to the minerality of the. So they wines. call them uh, Kimmeridgian soils. There you go. That's what they. That's what they uh, like to. to hang you did their that without on. checking your notes. Yes, I did. That's one of the things I do know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we moved on to this uh, Saint Martin Chablis, uh, Domaine La Roche, uh, twenty twenty two. So this is actually, I think, younger than the Petit Chablis that we have. So it's a 2022, you said, yeah. So yeah. let me tell you what I've got about uh, about Chablis. So Chablis itself is uh, 66% of, uh, of Chablis. Uh, it's the uh, oldest of the um, areas, uh, tied with Grand Cru, believe it or not, at 1938. Uh, and it takes up a surface area of 3,716 hectare- hectares. Hectares? Hectares? Hectares. Hectares. And so it says all about purity, crispness, and minerality. That was because, yeah. So, well, and um, uh, Veronique uh, Rivet was the one who gave the uh, the talk on the on the. Oh, that's fantastic! I love Veronique. Yeah. So she she did a good job. Um, Okay, so here we move on to the regular Chablis, and there's definitely more ripeness on the nose. Mm. Uh, We're dealing with like. Fresh peach, where I think the Petit Chablis was a little bit more like Meyer lemon, underripe pear, you know, crunchy, like golden delicious apple. And, and stoniness, as you said, when you put it in the big glass, you yeah. got a lot of that wet stone. Um, it was granite. It was granite in the big glass. Yeah. So this one is is a lot, I want to say fresher, um, a lot livelier. No, I, don't, I, I don't think it's fresher, but livelier, definitely. Like the, the, it's, I think we're kind of moving to just like different kind of fruit. It's It's tough when you're tasting wines... Actually, no, I shouldn't say it's tough. I think the situational way of enjoying wines is really coming out when we're at this time of year where, you know, summer is a little bit behind us, but winter isn't quite here because 
Petit Chablis on a hot day on the back porch, like doing some weeding in the backyard, having a glass of wine, maybe doing some shrimp on the barbecue or like a, a light fr- fish fry. I think that's just a match made in heaven. And as we're getting up the ladder here, I think we're going to see wines with a little bit more complexity, a little bit more intensity. The Chablis we're drinking right now, I think would be also like an easy summer sipper, but we're also seeing a little bit more muscular characteristics around the shoulder and the ripeness of the, the fruit. Like it's a little bit rounder. It's a little bit bigger. I get a lot of zip and zing out of this one. That's, that's really what I like. It was, it just seems there seems to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more acidity than on the, on the Petit Chablis. All right. Well, I moved this from, I was drinking this out of the white wine glass, which is a, a smaller tulip, moved it to the fish bowl, which is the burgundy glass. Turn into nectarine juice on the mm. nose. A little bit rounder in the mouth. A little bit fuller. I think I like it in the smaller glass. Well, I think I like it I like in the it. bigger glass. Oh, well, look at us. But I mean, this is one where when you're dealing with La Petit Chablis, or sorry, Petit Chab- Chablis. Nope, just Chablis. No, when we're dealing with Petit Chablis oh. and Chablis, oh, okay. we're sorry. generally dealing with no oak treatment, or if Chablis yep. has seen some oak, it's generally neutral barrels and even then a smaller percentage of new wood. Yeah, so this is Domaine La Roche. I'm almost, I almost positive we have had, you and I have had this wine before on the podcast for some reason. I don't remember why. We would have to go back and check the tape. I have to check the tape. I actually have some memories of that. Where I think we did one at the uh, at the old Toronto studio on Bell Size. Yeah, and we we actually did with Domaine LaRoche, did we not? Or did we go somewhere and do Domaine LaRoche and had some... Well, we did Louis Moreau with oh, okay. with Louis Moreau, and that was with Cecile Matiot of Van de Burgoyne, where we went oh, somewhere in the city. Oh, that was so way long got, ago. You know, because it was Van de Burgoyne, and maybe they poured some other stuff. We didn't they did do not. It. it was all Louis Moreau. I don't think it was all Louis Moreau. Again, we have to check the tape. I'm pretty sure they brought Lou Moreau in to talk about Chardonnay, and I think we did some other stuff. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> now was, we sound like the friggin' Muppets. So, somebody else go out and check the tape on that while we're doing this. My God. So we, now we have literally turned into Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. That's what's happening here right now. So, uh, Yeah, so I'm, I, I like the Chablis. I like this the, the St. Martin. And I know this one's available uh, at the LCBO as well. Like thirty seven dollars or something. All right, we're moving up to the Premier Crew. These are the wines I was a little more excited to taste because I drank a lot of Chardonnay in the house. You still wine in your glass? No. Nope. All right. All right. So here's here's what I can tell you about uh, about Premier Crew. Uh, it was established in nineteen sixty seven. Cool. Surface area of 772 hectares. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, the flagship uh, areas include um, uh, Forcharme. Uh, Lake Grenouille. Uh, uh, Côte uh, de Fontenay. Ah, c'est pas mal. Uh, you know what? I can't read my own writing. You can... Valorant. Because I'm, I'm terrible at this. I can't even read my own writing. Valorant, Vaupilant, Côte de Fontenay... Forchom, did I say Lamar, the dead man? Uh, let me see. I've got uh, so I've got. This oh my one. gosh, Michael, this is this is terrible. Like they they sponsored us, Michael. The least we could have done was be prepared. You want me to read the map? Montmain. Okay, uh, I would also be part of that. You got your glasses uh, on. Vaillon, uh, Vaucoupin, uh, Mont de Mieux, Milieu, uh, Monte de Tonnerre. Look, if you wanted to find out about about this stuff. Is that unlock Chablis game? That's, oh yes, we're yeah. talking about that. Okay, now that now this now this actually does sound like a, 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 
a, a commercial, but but that's what it's for, right? Like unlock unlock wines.com. Yeah, and, so. and we know that a lot of people listening to this podcast work in the industry, so this is definitely something that's made for you. I had a chance to blow through a couple of the chapters while I was on my trip to to Italy, and it's it's a it's a beautiful game. Like the it's, graphics it's, are nice. It's and, well mapped out. Like it's, it is. It's, and um, I did the history uh, one, which was chapter one. And uh, oh, so Grunui was a, a grand crew that I was saying. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, the game is just—it's a lot of um, multiple choice, like puzzles, um, like jigsaw style puzzles, where yeah. fill in the blanks and this and that, Put and the label on the right bottle, that kind of thing. Which um, I really don't mind because it's, it's something I talked about in our in our Bourgogne podcast based on my trip is that. I've had a really hard time wrapping my head around the geography of the wines, even like sitting and tasting the wines. You know, I've had a hard time sitting and, and tasting like a Chablis Premier Cru and internalizing exactly where that is geographically and having really strong visual cues. Like it really works for me. It's it's my style of learning, which is, you know, I, I learn by doing and like tasting is one thing, but tasting and traveling is another thing. So yep. having something to bridge the gap that's not just reading a book, um, I find really helpful what, what I what I actually liked about it is you you really you could get things wrong, but then they would tell you you would keep you know trying things until you got it right, and um, you know and I would be like I, I could have sworn that was a Grand Cru, and then you know it turns out it wasn't as you did with Le Grenouille, right yes you thought it was a I thought it was a, a Premier Cru and that it's was a, it's a Grand Cru, and you would have got that label wrong. Okay, so um, I mean one of the things I like about Chablis and. I mean, this is getting back to the not commercial part of the commercial that you're listening to, <laughs> is um, that the Premier Crew and the Grand Crew wines are a little bit more in reach. Because I, I think that's something, I, like, once again, like going back to the, the look at the rest of Bourgogne when you're dealing with Cote de Nuit and Cote d'Or, is the Grand Crew wines are very expensive, often out of reach. And, you know, even from my experience on the trip, the Grand Crew red wines were over over oaked like i i don't know if i'd be super excited to have those wines in my house versus some of the premier crews but even then the premier crews in some of the more you know desirable like a premier crew um was romane will sometimes be three four hundred dollars still even though it's not a grand crew right yeah you can get a premier crew chablis for less than a hundred dollars easily yeah I, I would have to i would have to be honest with well no you know what? i'll be honest at the end yeah i'll be honest at the end because we still have one more wine to go um, I, I really like the spiciness. So where the, the Chablis Premier Cru, it is from Domaine Denis Ras. Uh, Montmain is the Premier Cru that it's in. Um, it's really nice. And Oh, you, oh you're trying it in a smaller I'm gonna, glass. I'm going to try it in a smaller glass. You know what? I, I think as, so far this is my favorite of the uh, of the wines. Oh, yeah. It, it smells and it tastes like... I mean, th- this is distinctly Chablis. This doesn't taste like Chardonnay from anywhere else. No. It's... Very spicy and minerally, but not wood spice. Like it's, it's like baked pear. Yeah, there's still there's still a delicacy to these wines that I like, and I've always, I've always said when I when I talk about you know, always make fun of me that I don't like Chardonnay, and I and I'll say it's not that I don't like Chardonnay. It's just I know what I like in Chardonnay, and I what I like about these Chardonnays is that they taste like fruit. Yep, or they taste like. You know they they still have that minerality. They still have that seam of acidity. Oh, you know there's not an over oakiness on these wines that makes me go, God, I hate California, I hate Australia, or whatever. That's interesting. 
So you flipped it from the burgundy glass into the shard, into the, the white wine glass. Yeah, just to see what it would do. It amplified the mineral light. Yeah. Like in the in the big glass. It, like it takes the fruit away. And, uh, uh, I didn't it take it completely mute, away. It but, mutes it, yeah. but I mean, uh, uh, but it uh, it does, um, as you're right, it does take uh, some of this. What are we looking at now? I was going to oh. pour another splash of the premium oh, crew. I'm, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to say no to these wines. You have a you have a spare bedroom, right? Yes, I do. Okay, just checking. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Indeed. Um, I'm going to go back into the into the little glass because I see you're in the little glass. Yeah, we have two glasses on the table, which is usually uh, very odd for us. You know, the thing I, I the, the reason I poured another splash of this is it's just like I don't think there is a wrong answer to serve this wine. I think it shows very differently in the two glasses, but I think the wine is still very nice in both of them. And I think if you're trying to highlight the minerality of Chablis, it makes sense to put it in the small glass. I don't think I would. If, I, if you were a restaurant and you were pouring this wine, I don't think I'd fault you in that. It's definitely broader in the, in I, the I, I, burger I, glass. I like the flavor profile in the bigger glass. I really do. I, I really think it brings out um, the, the freshness. It you, brings out the fruit characteristic, and you're right. The little glass kind of brings in the stoniness, the kind of the lemon pith, whereas the bigger glass brings in the um, the lemon-ish quality, the lemon juice quality. Would, would you feel the same if we had some food in front of us, like maybe a nice roast chicken, like something off the rotisserie? I think that's a, a good dish this fall, and maybe like a nice platter of like, let's go... Roast turnips, carrots, and potatoes, and then you're going to tell me which of those vegetables you don't like. I can just tell you which one I do like. I'd, I'd have the potatoes. So you don't like roast carrots or, or turnips? I don't like cooked carrots. I find them mushy. Okay. But and you I don't just, think that out of the And I just don't like turnips, period, the end. They're just, they're just carrots faking to be carrots. Oh, they want to be parsnips. white carrots. You're thinking of parsnips. Oh, turnips. Oh, yeah, I don't like turnips either, though. Yeah. No, they're, they're a strange-looking thing. <laughs> So, <laughs> okay, but, answer, but let's answer my question: Is situationally, do you not think that maybe the smaller wine glass might make more sense to serve with food? Um, I'll, I'll I'll grant you that if you want if 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 that's what you're looking for, uh, I will grant that to you. Just uh, by saying, I would prefer to sip it out of the big glass. And yes, I guess for food, the little glass. Okay, so in our glass, we now have a 2018 okay. Domaine Sylvain. Chablis Grand Cru Blanchot. Um, at the top of this, it says in French, feminin et généreux, which means feminine and generous. Although you're not allowed to say feminine these days, but the French can get away with it, and I'm happy about that. Yep. So, I mean, that was, that was something interesting to see. Uh, the back of the bottle says it will age well four to eight years. So, I guess... If this was bottled in like 2020, we're at 2023, probably a year shy of that four-year mark. So again, just because I've given the numbers before, Grand Cru starts at the same time as Chablis uh, at uh, 1938. Uh, minimum aging uh, March 15th for the following year of harvest. Uh, it's in Kimmeridgian soils exclusively. And uh, everything is south southwest facing. Surface area is all of one hundred and one hectares, and it makes up one uh, percent of uh, of Chablis. Uh, and then it's all it's all. I don't even know what bank that is, Andre. Do you know the? 
What do you mean, what bank? Like, it's either right side or left side of the... It's on the right bank. So it's on the right bank. And there's only seven of them, is there not? Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So Grenouille is there. Le Clos is another one. So Blanchot is the furthest south, and that's the one that that we have. Uh, So so southeast facing would mean that it would get a lot of sunlight and heat, but not the blazing afternoon sun, so morning heat. And then as we go up, we got the Le Clos, we got uh, Valmure, we got Grenouille, we got... uh, Vaudésir, Bougro, and Preuse. Yeah. Cruise somewhere sits but just before Bougro. This is lovely. This is lovely wine. It's 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 got. Oh, I haven't like, even tried mine yet. I'm too busy giving stats. Oh, I love the nose. Jesus. Yeah. Right. So we, we we just put this right into the burgundy glass because uh, certainly this has spent some time in oak. Um, it's certainly not over oaked. Oh, wow. um, oh, I like that. Oh, I really like that. Nice intensity to it. Eh? Oh, there's an intensity. Yeah, like that's like okay. So you went to uh, Burgundy. Yes, you would have done some Grand Cru. Yes, Burgundy. Yes. Um, where does this stack up with the other places that you went? Because I know you have you know, uh, you know, soft spots for other places. Oh, Burgundy. this is this is definitely up there, but also like completely different. I think the um, the concentration and intensity is one of the highlights of. Grand Cru, at least the whites that I've tasted. I had a chance to taste a couple of Corton Charlemagne's, which is the other more affordable of the Grand Cru's, coming in at usually a few hundred or three hundred bucks. No, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you tried some Montrachet while you were there. I did not try any anti, any Montrachet. I tried the you got a, you got, uh, Chevalier you... and Batar Montrachet out of barrel, where like concentration was there. But it was the same thing as you. You could see where the wine was going. It wasn't completely finished yet. Because it was it was right out of barrel, um, but this is this has an elegance that Merceau and Chassaigne and Poligny might be missing sometimes. Okay, um, this this definitely like it's intense, but in a different way. Like the 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 crushing powdery minerality is the highlight to this. Like that's the one thing that kind of pops itself up the moment that intensity hits your mouth. You know. I like I like this wine. I have to be honest though. I think out of just for pure like sipability, we were talking about sitting out on the patio and uh which we can't do now now. It's the sun goes down way too early for uh for us to do this. I know it hurts. Um I like the I like the Premier Crew. I like that really fresh, lively um the acidity, the minerality. That was I think that's my number one wine. I'm still deciding like i'm not really done i think i'm gonna gonna finish this little splash of the grand crew because this is a, a treat to get a chance to enjoy this and this yep. is one where like i said we probably would have done this podcast we anyways would've, we would have reached out to somebody in burgundy but it's um it's a treat when you get a lineup of wines like this and i'm, I'm sure if you're sitting in your car or at home listening to this podcast there's a little bit of living vicariously through us but like it, it's a treat to read about something but it's doubly a treat when you get a chance to taste it like this is a really great lineup of wines um no the the fruit profile is really similar between the the premier crew and the grand crew can i see the map for a quick second absolutely okay so we've got the i can't believe i'm being so nice to you today we've got the blanchot <laughs> which is at the we got the blanchot which is at the end of like the, the further south of the grand crew which is right on the border of the village of chablis sorry i'm kind of breaking one of the like radio rules here which is 
Reading right off like, of a script? Well, also talking about a map while people can't really, can't see, really the, see it. Can't really see the map. And then we've just got to take a quick look here. I'm trying to see where... Well, the, the Grand Cru just kind of sits right in the middle, like right almost in the heart of the, the Shabli region. I can't even describe it. I think if you look at the Shabli region as a whole, it kind of looks like a, like a Christmas tree uh, going... Um, um, Top down, s- a, almost triangular. Yeah. So, and imagine somewhere near the middle of the Christmas tree, uh, right near the, uh, the stem... Uh, you've got a little 110, sorry, 101 hectares of Grand Cru. And that's it. That's the whole the whole part. And then um, I guess your Premier Cru kind of scatters itself uh, kind of a quarter of the way down uh, through the Christmas tree. Um, um, and then obviously uh, Chablis is kind of like all over the place, making up a lot of the branches. And Petit Chablis kind of makes up the tips. Yes, just the tips. Just the tip. You know, I'm actually just trying to find Montmay on here, and I'm having a, a hard time pulling it off the off the map. Like it, it's just the, the map is pretty small, and I know my eyes aren't uh, in as rough a shape as yours. Um, although I did get uh, my eyes checked earlier this year. Oh, Montmain is near the... Uh, now, okay, I'm breaking the thing, too. It is near the silver dot in the middle. Isn't it? Oh, there it is. Okay, so Montmain is <laughs> on the... Uh, For all of you with a silver dot in your car. Uh, so the, right silver, the, silver dot, the silver dot is the village of Chablis. Yeah, it's right, so, in, the, it's right in the... It's not. It's actually not in the middle of the Christmas tree. It is, it is slightly my God, near, the, the, we, near we, the base we've, we've of the turned, Christmas tree. Yeah, we've turned into the Muppet Show. Um, <laughs> so the village of Chablis, you have... You have the Grand Cru to the northeast of Chablis with the southwest facing vineyards, right? You say yes. southwest, yes. south, 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 southwest. South, southwest. Okay, so yeah. it does get the afternoon heat. Yeah. Never mind. I was, I was wrong. And the Montmain is on the west side of Chablis, yeah. but right close to it. Interesting. No, it's just, it's just like just trying to get an idea. Like I said, like the thing about, about Burgundy, and if you're frustrated in the car listening to this right now, because I'm assuming everyone's listening to this in the car. Sorry if you're not listening to this in the car. Um, you know, it is really hard to kind of visualize and, and figure out the geography because the geography of, of Burgundy is important. I, I do, I do have an idea, and I'm just going to spitball this, Andre. Maybe we take a picture of the uh, the map of Chablis and we use it as the photo uh, for the podcast this time. Yes. So if you uh, if you want to see what Chablis looks like, our, our little Christmas tree here, uh, you can see that and uh, kind of f- follow along. Uh, when Tinkerbell rings her little bells like this, <laughs> I, I, not just because it says Grand Cru on the bottle, um, because as much as we've talked, I think my budget for wine is generally a little higher than yours. Yeah, these days I've 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 fallen into that trap, but I I still am very much a believer that price doesn't correlate quality. Like I I am still looking for that killer thirty dollar bottle of wine, but I do think that this Grand Cru is giving me. A little bit more, but we're dealing with two different vintages. We're dealing with two different sites. I'd be curious whether or not the Premier Cru in 2018 would taste comparable to the Grand Cru, or if we were tasting the 2019 Grand Cru, what that would taste like next to the the Premier Cru, the the similar site. Because like that, that that's something I've been learning, having a chance to taste a little bit more Burgundy when I got back. Is if you know your producer and. A lot of this is a little bit of a geographic lottery. Like, 
Pernam Vergeles is just, it's on the wrong side of Corton. And there's some really great producers making wines that, because they don't say Grand Cru on the bottle, come in at a third the price of what you'd be paying if it was a half kilometer further around that hill, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of similar to the the, with the uh, Cote de Rhone, right? Where, you mm. know, where they've got uh, the Chardonnay de the Pap and then the Plan de Dieu just, just yep. is on the doorstep and they can't get the same price point. So, yeah, I, if I had to put these in uh, in some sort of order uh, of, of my preference, uh, and I'm talking sipping preference. I'm not talking food preference here. I'm just talking pure sippability. Uh, I would probably go with the Premier Cru. Uh, then probably the Chablis, the Grand Cru, and then uh, I usually like Petit Chablis, but that was the weaker of the uh, of the wines for me. They're they're like I said, I think the Petit Chablis were cutting it a little bit short because of a, a situational. Not to make excuses for it, but there was a slight bitterness on the the finish as well, which might be from extended lees contact or or stirring that just didn't quite get filtered out. Um, I, I think if it was 30 degrees outside, we'd probably be drinking the crap out of the Petit Chablis because it's the easier drinking of the rest of these. I think we'd be drinking the crap out of all of them. We would be drinking the crap out of all of them, but I think the Petit Chablis would be what we'd be reaching for on a hot day. I see I see every time that I pour some in my glass, you kind of look at me because I think you wanted to fill your bathtub with these later. <laughs> I thought we were done with those jokes. <laughs> well, Petit Chablis needs a bath. So oh, Petit Chablis did need a bath today. She hadn't pooped for like a week. And like, let me tell you a whole nother story about having an eight month old baby that only poops once a week. Oh yeah. My wife's giving me a dirty look cause I wasn't here for it. <laughs> yeah. I'll drink to that. Anyways. Um, you know, I know we mentioned it a couple of times, uh, we are not in the process of selling out. No, we are not. We but just... we are grateful when we receive sponsorship requests from brands that we care about. Obviously, as Captain Chardonnay, I can say this podcast is Captain Chardonnay approved. Usually, this is where we would say we're not paid to say that, but this time we are being we are, paid we are, to we say are, that. Well, actually, what we are being paid to say is is to try and get you to um, take a look at uh, Unlock Chablis. That's really what we were being. Yeah, paid to learn say. something about Chablis. You know what? Like, like, the, like, it's like, like the rest of the wines was kind of a bonus to the whole thing because it was like, well, when we, I think if we're going to be talking about Unlock Chablis, we should talk about Chablis the whole time. And they said, we can make that happen as well. And <laughs> yeah, okay. So I think there was a phone call um, made to Andre, and I said, how would you like to do something on Chablis? And I don't think I got the full word Chablis out. I think you knew where I was yes. going. It was either going to be Chardonnay or Chablis, and you were <laughs> like, yes. So, Well, I mean, that's the thing is um, I actually like that we did this exercise had the website up, talked about it, unlocked Chablis. Had the map at our, at our fingertips and told you it was a Christmas tree. So, so here's the thing is, we did the Bourgogne podcast earlier. I love the region. I love spending the money on the wines. This is an exercise where you could actually reproduce parts of this podcast on a bit of a budget. Like, find the, the Grand Cru wines are likely going to be closer to the $100 range, if not a little bit higher than that. But there's nothing stopping you from picking up a Petit Chablis, a regular Chablis, Maybe a maybe, premier crew. Maybe a premier crew. It'll come in at less than a hundred bucks. Just, just to taste the difference between the the three or even the four, I guess styles of of Chablis. And you're also dealing with a region that is historic to the the landscape of Bourgogne, without breaking the bank. And I think that's something to be mindful because um, I've been talking to some people who are at that level of their wine journey where they have the knowledge and now they're starting to pine after the wines from the more prestigious regions. And I know you and I, we love talking about California, but Napa Valley is hard for people 
who are at a certain level of their wine knowledge because to get the good stuff, it's so expensive. It and, you know, it's the same thing. Red, red or white, if, if, you, if, if there is such a thing as a, a good white Napa. You know, if you get interested in, in Super Tuscans, you're dealing with a lot of money, granted, a little bit cheaper than Bordeaux. Like, I mean, we're just dealing with a lot of regions where the top wines are really expensive. Y- you know, this is, this is, like I said, even though this is paid for, I'd be saying this if we weren't being paid for this, is Chablis is one of the more affordable you know, icon regions of uh, yeah. France that you can really get your head around. And that's the interesting part. It, 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 I guess we don't think of it as an icon region, but it, it, it really is because when people start calling your wine after a region, Champagne, Bordeaux, sparkling wine, is, and everybody always, you know, talks about sparkling wine being Champagne, yeah. whether it's Champagne or not. Yeah. Um, a, a, a blend of, of red wine, whether it's from Bordeaux or not, is is Bordeaux and Chablis? I think is the same thing because people they see a, a, a you know they they talk about a white wine, maybe a Chardonnay or an unoaked Chardonnay. They'll always Ooh. go Chablis, and so um, when you get to that level, it's for lack of a better term. I don't know if you're going to like this. It's like the Kleenex level, right? Oh yeah, totally. Whatever clean. It's not always Kleenex, but. You know, it's it's been given the name oh. of like Xerox, Kleenex, same thing, Chablis, Q-tip. Bordeaux, Q-tip. Um, you know, hang on, we, we, we got some other ones in there. Coke. Like, look, most colas are Coke to people. Give me a Coke. Oh, I oh. was worried there for a second. I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about, Michael, but like, I know these wines taste like white powder, but like, I'm thinking more <laughs> like chalk. Like, where was your head going there? Any, anyways, um. I've come around. I actually had like a really interesting tasting note that popped up on my back finish of the Premier Crew. We're in a situation. I'm in love with this Premier Crew. I had like a, this like little whisper of like toasted coconut that like hit oh, the back palate, and I was just like Canadian oak. That was unexpected. Um. Anyways, uh, thanks to Sopexa Vain de Chablis. Uh, Unlock Chablis is the website. It will be linked in the show notes. So yep. go to SoundCloud.com to check that out, or go to iTunes your favorite podcasting platform to take a look at that. It's been a while since we've said this, but share, like, follow, leave us a review. It does help us out. Um, I know we don't talk about this a lot, but we, we have a lot of people have been talking to us who like, they've recently discovered us. Listen to all the old podcasts. If you're one of those people, I'm really sorry. Michael and I are trying really hard to be better, but welcome aboard. Yeah. Um, but leaving us a review does help us and helps grow the audience. So we really appreciate that. Cause um, I think, I think the work we're doing right now is some of the best we've done, and I, I don't think we've we've ever we, we mentioned this as as much as we should because we don't toot our own horns a lot. But we are the second longest running podcast in Canada about wine. That's true. Yeah, the only one that's been running longer is from Terry David Mulligan, correct? Who started as a radio show. Okay, so, I like that you like to put the asterisk. Yeah, there's an asterisk. I put this. There's just a little one, just a tiny asterisk. But yeah. we can't take any shots at Terry. He's actually no, one of the reasons. He's one of the reasons why. I love Terry. He's one of the reasons why our equipment actually is better. Where he, like when we did our interview. Anyways, uh, my Andre Proof from Andre. I just, Wine I just need a better light. That's according to Terry as well. But <laughs> Andre Proof from AndreWineReview.ca. Um, you know, like I said, I know we have uh, a little bit of sponsorship dollars coming in, but like you and I are not on champagne caviar or even at the premium car wash level of no, income. No hookers and blow at this level. Oh my god, Michael, you went there a second time. <sighs> what the hell? Um, Patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. Um, oh my god. So, so you know, it's Christmas is coming. 
um, remember, once again, I'm back on white powder, are we? Remember your, your favorite podcasters. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. You can find me on social media, mostly as the grape guy. He is uh, wearing a blindingly green vest or whatever you're wearing. Oh, thank God you didn't put the hood up. Did you say goodbye yet? Did Good you- night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.